Welcome back to Gen Zen, a place where we discuss everything spirituality and self-development as we navigate life as Gen Zs together. This week I am joined by Robin Gowan. She is a certified soul purpose life coach, a breathwork facilitator and Reiki master and she helps burnt out women who are searching for better work-life balance and a sense of calm, find more peace purpose and calm in their lives and this all happened after nine years of her working in a corporate job and a lifetime of anxiety that was fueling her burnout and stress and in 2020 she really started her journey to heal and found holistic tools and modalities to calm her nervous system and shift her mindset and now she helps others do the same and in this episode we really dive deep into stress and the effect it has on our nervous system and how we can find better balance what we can do when we're stressed what the difference is between stress and burnout and it's a really really great episode packed with loads of wisdom and useful tips so I really hope you enjoy and without further ado let's just jump straight into it so welcome robin to the gen zen podcast hi everyone we're so excited to have you here so robin is a fellow dci graduate as well we weren't on the same course but yes we connected on the internet and i'm so happy to have her here so robin i'd love to ask you first of all what does spirituality mean to you? It's a big question. I'd love to know your this thoughts. It's a big question. <laughs> and it took me, you know, I was really thinking about when you sent me the questions last night. Um, really like being connected to nature, to the divine, having that balance, um, realizing that you, we are all one with everything. If God creator, the divine is the ocean and we're a drop, we're just as connected as we are with everyone else. And just, you know, including, you know, I know a lot of spiritual people go at different routes with our spiritual team and just being balanced within the light and dark. Mm. Oh, I like that being balanced in the light and dark. There's a gorgeous quote that says, and I'm trying to remember it exactly now. It's like you are you are the, um, it's something about the ocean and being a drop. So it's like, oh, I can't quite yeah. remember it now. Um, you it, are the that's entire ocean thinking. in in a single drop. I'll have to mm. look it up and get it because um, it's such a good quote, but it reminded me of what you just said. And I probably have seen that quote. I went on a whole rabbit hole of change, shifting my mindset when I went through my healing journey. Um, and that could be why I thought of it. But I've also heard if you take a cup of the ocean. If God's the ocean or God creator, the divine, um, you and you take a cup and get a piece of the ocean, is that not still God? If you're that, if you're, and then you drink that water, are you not part of God? Are you not, you're 70% water. Mm. So it's just, it was so like a lot of people look at this high man in the sky <laughs> that we can never connect to, but we really, you know, we're all connected. We're all the same. Everything has a spirit Yeah. to the creator itself. Yeah. I think that's so lovely. And that also reminds me of something which is like, you know, if we think of water as being consciousness, general consciousness, if we're following that metaphor, that then when we kind of embody our own 
souls and our own human forms we are just taking different forms of the water so you know we might be like a wave or we might be like um a glass mm. of water or something like that like a lake um but we're still at the end of the day water we're just taking mm. different forms in this human body and i think that encapsulates kind of spirituality really nicely so thank you Love for that. that so i'd love to know what started your spiritual journey? <laughs> I've kind of always been connected. So I was trying to think of a short version <laughs> of it. I've had some weird things happen throughout my life, but then it was like, I never explored because I was fearful. You know, society, religion teaches us to that things are bad and not to escape through it. Um, so, but the, I, I, would, I think I'll go down a little bit more positive. My grandmother was a choir director at a Southern Baptist church. And so, you know, I have a lot of friends who have bad experiences Southern Baptist, but I actually had a good experience with my grandmother. She had this painting with Jesus or Yeshua. And she told me when I was little that Jesus loves you. You know who that is? He loves you. And so I always felt like love and connected in that way. Um, but as I grew up and the traumas of life that happened and I did have a traumatic childhood and, um, you know, just wanted to fit in and anxiety was really strong. I let society and, and religion take over my belief systems about myself. And about when I was 36 years old, I was dating a guy who I've been dating off and on since I was 19. And I knew it was a bad idea to go back to dating him. It just kind of fell back in. And um, right after I ended it for the millionth time, I was just like, okay, obviously I'm the one still choosing him and guys like him. I need to work on myself. And then I avoided working on myself for another year and a half. So during that time, I noticed that I was always getting exhausted and burned out. I, I worked in finance for nine years um, and I switched from working in the bank to mortgage, which is like part of the bank, but it's separate. And um, I've noticed like with my clients and people around me, I'd feel energetically drained because everyone would unload and get asked for advice. And, and I realized I was really good at advice, but because I was so energetically drained, I I was like, eh, I don't want to do this stuff. <laughs> and um, I found out, which I've been questioning, that I was an empath. And that started my rabbit hole of, okay, how can I heal? How can I protect my energy? And it went from just following Super Soul, Oprah Super Soul Sundays to finding, to Goalcast, to finding Catherine Zinkina, Manifestation Babe. I started listening to her stuff because I went down the healing path and the spiritual rabbit hole all at the same time. And I, what do you think the difference is between those two then? They're intertwined, but people don't realize it. So you can go into the, do your habits and, you know, the Tony Robbins type, which was where I was going on that direction. And then you can go into the healing yourself through spirituality, which is like more connected within yourself. And, and you can do both. And so I always liked the self-development, but I avoided the spiritual because going, going within, because I feel like there's 
you go into the bro, the bro stuff, I, I was, but I like to call it like, the, yeah, the bro stuff. I like do that. your work, do your work. You can do it. And I, there's nothing wrong with that. I enjoy it, but there's also a little bit of a block there too. You being connected to the divine. And so also I had been going to this mega church and I still, there's many things that I'm grateful for it, but I felt like stagnant felt like I couldn't move any for, further in my spirituality. And so when the pandemic hit, I was going through those rabbit holes. <laughs> I was getting slammed with work and I was fairly new to the role. And so I was very overwhelmed. And then I would watch online the service. And I was like, gosh, I can't. I'm already super anxious. I can't deal with this guy's anxiety because you could tell he was anxious because he did, it was struggling a little bit in the first cut, I don't know, month of COVID. And I was like, eh, this doesn't feel right anymore. Let's see what I can find out. And so I started going down all these rabbit holes, questioning everything I believe. It went from my internal belief about myself and why I feel this way, any negative thought, I would question it to what about, I was taught this, where did this come from? And that that really kind of trickled into, I didn't know it. I didn't know anyone at the time in my community. And there's a small spiritual community in Tulsa and I'm still getting connected. I do know a couple of people, but at the time I didn't know anyone. So the first, like, I don't know, six, seven months, I was just kind of on my own winging it. And so I kind of felt like I like awake and no one else around me is and I can't talk to anyone about this. And so I would go to these spirit fairs and all this like random stuff and not knowing what to really do. And then I got in touch with someone that does Reiki. Oh, and so my aunt, who is the she's the first person who awakened in the family. She um, studied Kabbalah in the 90s and the Buddhism and has crystals and she was always kind of in my family, kind of a little wacky, a little out there, but her and I were always like really connected and could talk about like out, uh, out of the box things. And she has COPD, like she's stage four and she's still around, um, not in the best health, but she was like, I was talking about how stressed out I was and on my back was like a big giant knot. And she was like, you should really start getting Reiki. And then a friend of mine referred me to a girl I knew from high school and she started doing Reiki on me. And I'm like, oh my God, my back pain's gone. Like, wow. like my whole back was just, I couldn't even sleep at night. And then I go for an hour at re getting Reiki and it was like gone. So then I started learning about chakras and <laughs> system and what Reiki is. And next thing I know, I'm getting trained in it. And I, and then I'm signing up for DCI and going to retreats and I quit my quitting my job and went to Bali. <laughs> wow. That's so quite, that, quite the journey. Yeah. I, it's been an interesting three and a half years, let me say. <laughs> mm. I, I really resonate with that because I think a lot of the time, people talk about having these big spiritual awakenings where it's kind of just one moment where they just woke up or something. And, and I think for me, and it sounds like what's similar to you is, is it, it's all, it's kind of a gradual process. There's a bit of curiosity. 
there's maybe some understanding there and then you kind of go on this journey where you suddenly your eyes get, get open to Reiki and then to crystals and then to different spiritual books and it's more of a gradual process of yeah. slowly awakening I don't know if that's something you yeah with. yeah absolutely and I had so many moments where my felt like you know those emoji where their minds like this <laughs> I felt like like that and then I didn't like all the people that I the couple of people I didn't know that was interested in this stuff was had already gone down that and they're like yeah yeah okay <laughs> I was just like <laughs> But isn't this cool? Like, I was so excited. And so I, I'm still like learning information, but I feel like now I'm at a place where since especially with anxiety is stillness, peace, just being connected to the earth and mm. finding joy and finding my joy is where I'm at right now. Because I don't need to know all the knowledge. At the time, yeah. I wanted to know everything. And then I would get overwhelmed and I'd stop researching for a while. Plus, work kept me pretty busy. So um, and I think the biggest thing that happened to me that was like the realization to go down the DCI route was I had, I used to get kidney stones. And so, um, and I had quite a few family members that passed away the last six years or not six years, less three years. And so that was kind of my like, aha, like you're meant to be happy. <laughs> you're meant to to enjoy your life. It's not supposed to be this hard. And the kidney stones was a pretty bad deal. I had like two surgeries in 10 days and an overnight stay in the hospital. And, and it really helped me reevaluate my, my life and what I was spending doing it. And, I, mm. and that really changed the trajectory of what I was doing. Mm. Sometimes you need that you need that kick of like, it, it's got to kind of get really uncomfortable sometimes. For, for one to make a change, I feel. Mm -hmm. But I also love what you said about um, sort of, you're talking about embodiment, I guess, because mm -hmm. I, I was talking about this on a podcast a while ago is that you can know all the knowledge, but if you don't actually embody it and, and do it, then mm -hmm. what's what's the point? And, and there's always more to learn. And sometimes I get overwhelmed with feeling like I need to know it all when actually... Mm -hmm all the once you are kind of guided in the direction of truth I like to call it you really just need to to do it it doesn't matter what the modality mm -hmm. is that you're particularly drawn to as mm -hmm. long as you are you know embodying it and just uh you have all the wisdom within you I think mm -hmm. and it's just reconnecting to that and understanding that isn't it absolutely absolutely and I you know I felt for the three, like even up and maybe six months ago, there was a part of me that felt almost like an imposter syndrome because I'm still learning who I am and what I like. Mm -hmm. And because I'll be like, oh, but I like all these other things. So I really like Sahara because she's like, oh, I twerk and I do that and I'm a DJ, but I'm also spiritual because I, you know, very much my Virgo moon shows compartmentalizes things. And so blending and that you don't have to be in this little box has really, you know, transformed, you know, learning who I am. Yes. And for those of you who don't know, Sahara is the wonderful woman who founded DCI. So that's how I would I would definitely recommend checking her out. She's incredible. And yeah, she talks about being a multidimensional human, doesn't she? 
And I'm mm-hmm. so here for that. And a spiritual spiritual teacher that I follow, he says, everyone's saying you need to learn who you are and find out who you are. But actually, you need to forget yourself. Like you, you can be so many roles. You don't have to decide, okay, I am this person or I like this. You can just be who you are in each passing moment and like different things Mm -hmm. and you don't have to put yourself in a box and I feel like us humans we love labels (laughs) when actually Mm -hmm. we're just all multi-dimensional human beings who like different things in different moments I'd love to ask you as well what kind of significant events in your life and challenges led you to where you are now so right after I had the kidney stone so that was those were my fourth kidney stone surgeries, which I've learned, learned that kidney stones is anger. Um, but I had a lot of trauma in my home. Um, there's a lot of mental illness in my family and, um, it really affected me and caused me to have severe depression and anxiety when I was a child. And so, you know, pushing through all of that, you know, was the swift kick. And um, really, um, my father is an alcoholic, and he abandoned, he left when I was four. So there was a lot of issues where I had to feel like I was validating people to be wanted and approved. And, and so in life as an adult, I always felt like I needed to prove myself, I needed to prove that I deserved this job that I was smart enough or good enough. And Honestly, the pandemic is what kicked me in the in the ass, um, which a lot of people did. I got promoted, which I had been, I manifested. And then when the pandemic hit, I was just stressed out all the time because I was a people pleaser. So instead of, hey, I'm not going to answer calls for an hour so I can get caught up with work, getting, I would not give good boundaries. I would answer calls at 11 o'clock at night. I would work crazy hours. I, you know, there was one instance where I was in Mexico on my birthday and this client called me freaking out. And I was like an hour away from going an excursion and I'm trying to calm him down on a Saturday while I'm on vacation. And so it was just like, this was supposed to be my dream job. Mm. And I loved my team and I loved the people I worked with, but it was, I, but I just wasn't happy and I wasn't happy within myself. So it was hard to be happy in your own career, no matter what you do. You know, I realized that now, but I, at the time I was just like, you know, I had this very conflicting thing because my bosses were very helpful. I was very fortunate to have colleagues I could call, but I wasn't happy. And so, you know, those, those surgeries where the, the doctors like Robin, cause I was close to being septic. I had an infection is why the kidney thing was a big deal. And at the time I was blowing it off. I was like, can't you throw some antibiotics? I've done this before. We'll have surgery after. He said, no, do you realize you're close to death? <laughs> like, wow. like you're days away. You're like a day away from having being septic. Like, You need, and during that time, and this is where my realization was, the day after I got back from the hospital, I was on pain pills, so I couldn't focus. And we had a natural disaster, which was like the pipes freezing and pipes were bursting. And so people who were supposed to close their loans couldn't. And so people are calling me freaking out because they can't get a hold of the next contact. And I'm trying to 
to do whatever I can to get a hold of those people because I couldn't, I mean, I'm seeing double on the screen and I was just like, okay, obviously I'm not giving good boundaries and <laughs> I need to take a step back. And then a month after that, my cousin was killed. And so I was like, okay, life, he's six years older than me. Life is way too short to be this stressed out. Mm. And I knew other colleagues that handled things very well. They were like, they gave good boundaries. They've been doing it for a long time. And I just couldn't understand why I was having such a hard time. And all of it was my anxiety, my overwhelm and my burnout. And so I would do these networking events and be all happy. And then I'd come home and crash and then numb out on TV. And, and so I was just like, how, okay, who am I? What do I want to do? Where can I go from here? And that's, you know, how I stumbled upon DCI. I found Sahara on another, someone else's podcast. And then I joined her RGG group, which got me with a bunch of women who were just empowering and spiritual and um, just made me really excited to start this journey. Mm. Yeah, completely. So it sounds like, yeah, you had, you had that moment of like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't continue the way I am. And I think that's what that's what a lot of people unfortunately reach it has to sort of get so bad before you go oh something needs to be done about this yeah and so what I'd love to kind of talk about now and go into is how you can sort of avoid that before it gets to that point the point of no return really so first of all I'd like to ask like what what in your head is the difference that you see between just stress and then burnout because People kind of use them interchangeably, but can you sort of define a difference? How do you know when you're like burnt out as opposed to just stressed? So stress is, you know, and we'll talk about the sympathetic nervous system, but stress um, activates the sympathetic nervous system. And then when you're on fight or flight for so long, you're just basically stressed out all the time. Your body is on high alert. It's danger mode. And like stress is sometimes part of the job and, you know, it is what it is. Some people are like, if you worked in Wall Street, and you're on the floor, where you're doing the stocks and bonds and yelling, that's probably really stressful. Or you have a project that if you guys if you don't get your job finished, it'll fall apart. Or if you're in nursing, or medical field, you know, you're, if you make one mistake, someone could die. So that that could be just your job is just going to be stressful. But if you don't fill your own cup and you're constantly filling other people's with nothing in it, you're going to eventually burn out because your body's going to end up crashing. And I had been on fight or flight since since I was a kid. I've been working since I was 14 years old. When I was 16, I had two jobs. When I was 18, my dad worked at the same company and he was like, no, you're going to work full time. So I was working a full-time job and full-time school. And, you know, when I was 23 at your age, um, I didn't have enough, like my job wasn't paying me enough. So I had to get a second job on the weekends. So it was just, and there was a time I was working three jobs and there was just no time to focus on myself. And so when you're on a fight or flight where you're constantly just trying to survive, because even though, yes, we have, all the luxuries, water, roof over our head, our bodies is still reacting as if, you know, anything horrible could happen at any moment. And you do that for so long, it your body ends up crashing. Mm. And that's what the burnout is. 
so the burnout is like that the crash where it almost what what actually happens in in that moment like does the body start sort of shutting down in any way kind of like you just feel like like you like for me I would come home and just like sleep all the time I would sleep all the time you just feel exhaustion it's like mental physical emotional exhaustion is the best way to stayed at nothing. And like, I wanted to do all these things and I just didn't have the energy to do it. Mm. Whereas before I could go for a run or whatever. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't even want to get up out of bed right now. I I've heard it also described as sort of the difference between stress and, and pressure. So like pressure is the, uh, is the environment that you're in. So like you explained, Mm -hmm. like, you know, nursing is a, is a high pressure environment or there's pressure if you've got a deadline. So that's what's happening externally. And the stress is like our internal representation of that pressure because mm-hmm. two different people can uh, experience stress in completely different ways, can't they? Because it, it doesn't, mm-hmm. you could put two people in the same environment and one person could get highly stressed by it and mm-hmm. another person could feel absolutely fine. So... Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you now, like, is stress, do you think stress is like a, a given if you're in high pressure environments? Or do you think it depends on how we manage it and maintain it? Yes and no. I have a lot of friends who are in the nursing field and, you know, COVID was really hard on them. So I feel like in those kind of fields that you feel pressure and stress, um, whereas like what I was telling you about my history in the mortgage is person next to me could be like, ah, it's all going to work out. And I'm stressed to the nine, whereas they just feel the pressure to make sure it gets done. So pressure can turn into stress, depending on how much. So you could go in like that in nursing, but then you have so many days where you're understaffed, and then it may eventually turn to stress. How is stress related to our nervous system? Like what role does the nervous system play? And how we respond to stress. Stress can activate the sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Um, and so, and I can, if you don't know, and most people don't know what freeze or fawn is, um, yeah, I can of, go in. People have heard of flight, fight or flight, but freeze or fawn, yeah, is a bit more. So in a traumatic instance, I'm going to use an example. So let's say someone is choking and there's another person who could be helping. I'm using this as an example because I saw a, movie, a Netflix movie where this happened and they just freeze, they don't know what to do. Or something traumatic happens to them instead of fighting back, they just freeze and they don't know why they just freeze. So that's the freeze where you just like, that's your trauma response is you just like, don't know what to do. And fawn is where you're a people pleaser, basically. You're very codependent and you're the fixer. You're trying to, your validation is making sure that everything's taken care of and people rely on you so that you're not going to be in danger because you're taking care of everything is the best way. Like the fawn, I've been all of them (laughs) and um, recovering people pleaser. Um, They don't give good boundaries. They let people walk all over them and then that can create, creates more stress for them. Um, and then, uh, you know, so, so stress activates the nervous system. It cre- increases the heart rate, um, contracts muscles. So I was telling you earlier when I did Reiki where my back was one big knot, like it literally, like I was like this, it was so tight. 
Um, it can do that. It slows down the di your digestion. So you'll have stomach problems if you have a lot of stress um, or even to the point that it's stopping it. Fix how much oxygen you take in. So some people who um, are in high stress, they might clench their jaw or hold their breath. I found myself doing that a lot. I, I can't count how many times I'm like, wait, I'm not breathing. Because <laughs> I'd be like, and even now, like I'll sometimes catch myself doing that. Oh, Robin, breathe. And um, it affects, you know, without even people realizing how much, like it's just, you're on high alert. Um, and then activating the parasympathetic nervous system, which a lot of people get those mixed up, is where you're calm, you're in a theta mindset, which is like, Theta, a lot of people refer to meditation, which is just calming the mind. Um, the other thing that I forgot to add in the sympathetic nervous system is it's hard. You get unfocused. You feel flustered as, an, as other symptoms of high stress and being in the sympathetic. Um, whereas parasympathetic helps with, helps with being more focused. It helps with your digestion, inflammation. Um, it calms that, slows down the heart rate. So if you someone who has high blood plaque pressure, that would be a really good thing is to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, so just activating the parasympathetic nervous system can just create better, happier days. That's why I put my um, handle as Brighter Days with Robin, because um, just showing, I was trying to show myself how to be happier and activating the parasympathetic nervous system is what has done that. Yeah, I love that. So let's go into then how we can avoid burnout in these high pressure environments. If we know that we're going to feel stressed, if our job is inherently stressful, how can we begin to calm the mind when we still have to be in these environments? Because a lot of the time we just want to escape and sort of mm -hmm. move away from them. And sometimes that's not possible. So what what can we do in these situations? Um, so, you know, I'm going to use myself as an example and a client of mine because she was having the same issue. So I would get up at the very last minute because I was so exhausted to get to my office. So taking baby steps is my approach. Or if you're someone that can go full force, let's go, let's do this. And I'm for it. Let's do it. But for me being baby steps, because I, you know, I have this perfectionist, if I can't do it right, then I'm not going to do it mindset. And so starting out with like getting up five minutes early to do five minutes of breathing, breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth and then bumping it up or doing meditation, um, five minutes, five to 10 minutes of morning meditation um, or breath work. Um, and so I started finding YouTube videos of positive energy. So I started my day positive. Um, affirmations does help adding to it, but I recommend doing the meditation first. Um, going for walks outside or going out in nature. Um, the big one for me is being grounded. If you're someone that has anxiety and burnout, then you're then your root chakra is out of balance. And so you need, you need that grounding. And, and so the earth, putting your, connecting your feet to the earth barefoot and breathing in and letting the earth's natural energy just calm you down, like is really tremendously helpful. I recommend doing that every day, but some people don't have time when they're in high stress jobs. So even if it's like a couple of times a week, just whatever a little bit do to get in there. Um, and then throughout the day, I 
I started to, and then I fell out of it when I was in my past job, putting reminders in my phone to breathe. Like my watch had a reminder and sometimes I would be on a call and then I wouldn't do it. But then maybe leaving that reminder on the phone, did I breathe when you get off that phone call? Um, every hour, taking breaks, every hour to hour and a half, go, go walk around the office or go outside and do or even if you're not able to, because your office is so busy, go to the bathroom and breathe <laughs> and just to get that break in. Um, and then obviously nutrition and exercise is a given to, you know, cool your cup. I think when you work so much, it's easy to eat unhealthy and not be active. Um, and as you're growing that time to fill your cup, either add journaling or, um, going to the gym. And if you already go to the gym, adding in the breathing um, in the morning versus the evening. And if the evening works out for you, great. It's, you know, it's getting everything circulating and helping your body out. But, you know, for me, if I don't do it in the morning, a lot of times I miss the evening. So the morning I have more energy and more focused when I work out, but it's whatever resonates. And then, you know, I, I had a shoulder injury from my posture of years in the bank and my stress and well, posture from prior to that too. And so I'm just now starting to do yoga, which whereas before I wasn't able to, because I, last year I couldn't even lift my arm up. Mm -hmm. um, so yoga is a really great way to connect as well. Mm. So are these all methods of activating the paras uh, the sympathetic nervous system yes it's filling your cup like to me activating the breath work activates the parasympathetic but also bringing in things that bring you joy all activates it like going out in nature breathing that in can also activate it breathing in the air and breathe through your nose and out through your mouth um taking Taking a few minutes to breathe throughout the day and doing in the morning is what I recommend because I would write these to-do lists over and over and over, but then I would feel so anxious and flustered because my phone's ringing and then people are walking in my office and then I'm like, oh, what was I doing? And then I'm just taking that, taking a step back and breathing because I can, I used to be like, oh, I don't have time for that. I, I have too much to do. I don't have time to, to go breathe for five minutes. I don't even have five minutes. But I promise that when you slow down is when you can speed up by taking that step back and breathing. Yes, I love that. You have to slow down in order to speed up because it's it's a classic that you can't pour from an empty cup. So that was what I was going to ask you is what would you say to the person who is like, I don't have five minutes, you know, I don't have five minutes to breathe. It's it's busy. It's go, go, go. And they feel like they just need to keep going and they can't pause, what would you say, being someone who has felt that, what kind of advice mm -hmm. would you give to that person? Push through it, push through the breathing. I used to get so angry meditating because I couldn't focus. I was thinking about everything I needed to do during the guided meditation. And I was just like, this doesn't work, this is stupid. <laughs> and, and if we had like a wellness video call, I would be like, I have a list of things to do. So I would write my to-do list and not listen to them. <laughs> push through it take the time I know you're busy run to the bathroom and breathe 
take a drink of water. And that was another reason I wasn't drinking enough water either. And that dehydrated me and helped me feel exhaustion. So like I'd set reminders for that as well. I know that's not what the parasympathetic nervous system, but it does affect everything. So I know you don't have time, but I promise you it'll help. Even if it's one minute, take a moment to breathe. You know, you can take one minute to step back and breathe. So the, let me get this right, the sympathetic nervous system is when we slow down or is it the other way Sorry, around? Sorry, I meant to say parasympathetic when I said that, activating the sympathetic, you can be rustered and, and speeding up. The parasympathetic is slowing down. Right, yes. And, and do you think it's possible, just your own opinion on this, do you think it's possible to be in the uh, parasympathetic even when you're in high pressure environments? Absolutely. Um, you know, if you activate that parasympathetic and stay active, it's not like you just activate it and then you're good the day. You may have anxiety come up and then you take a moment to breathe. Um, and then it just helps you refocus. So yeah, you absolutely could. Mm. And that's the other thing. This is going back a little bit um, to what you said a while ago, but about stress being so much in the body and it's because all everything that you've spoken about is about us calming the body down because I Mm -hmm. think people think that stress is in the mind stress is all up here Mm -hmm. and I think we think we can fix it through the mind that you can almost Mm -hmm. think it away (laughs) but yeah it, it sounds from what you're saying it's so much about our bodies and I wonder if you can speak a little bit more to that I mean, yeah. So because like it, it stress affects the nervous system, the nervous system affects everything throughout the body, it affects your digestion, it affects your heart rate, even the oxygen you take in. Um, so if you are, your heart rate's racing and your mind's going all over the place, it's all affected. Like your mind going all over the place is also probably why your heart rate's <laughs> racing or you're sweating. I forgot to say that was one of the symptoms is you could be sweating if you're in a sympathetic um, nervous system at the time. And so like, you know, if you have stress for so long, you're, it can manifest in different parts of your body. Like I had severe back pain, um, you know, and you hear people say if you, you know, to be healthy, you also need to calm the stress. You hear even people that aren't into spirituality say that and or stress is in your back. You hear that all the time. And, you know, stress affects every part of our bodies. Our body's tense and tensed up when we're in a sympathetic nervous system. Then our hips are tight. Our legs are tight. Our hamstrings are tight. Our stomach, we're not digesting properly. We're inflamed. And then next thing you know, we're doing more things to make it more inflamed. Um, so it affects everything. Mm. Yeah, it it really does. And I think that's the other thing is that we can, we, I think people think that stress is a given, that it's like, if you're in these high pressure environments, you are automatically going to feel stress. And it's just, it's just the way of life. Like we just, that's the society that we're living in. And Mm -hmm. I think what, what, what I, I get from what you're doing is helping people realize that they they can be more zen, I guess, still in those in those busy environments. It doesn't have to be well, that you are in the sympathetic. 
as zen as they can be in high stress <laughs> careers, but, you know, power through. And then other thing that I wanted to add to things that they can do so they to prevent burnout. If you're in a career that it's not in an alignment for you, but you need to be in that career for whatever financial reasons, um, or fam if you work for a family business, family obligation, um, or that's where you just feel you need to be at this time, but it's not what you, what you feel in the long term. Go and do something on your off time that brings you joy. Dance, sing, write. Um, you know, if you like to go on running groups, join running groups. If you think about when you were a child and what you loved doing, did you like to color? Did you like to spin around in circles with your arms out? Did you like to swim? Like just whatever things that, whatever play and joy that you enjoy doing, adding that into your time off. Because a lot of these people, at least in the Midwest, there's a lot of women that are go, go, go after work because they have kids and activities and they don't even take a break ever. And so it's just like taking that time to fill your own cup because like, it's just like the, you know, we were talking about the cup, but the other analogy is if you're in an airplane and they're showing you how to, if we're in an emergency setting to put your oxygen mask first and then help the other person, you're not going to be able to breathe if you're helping someone else without taking taking the oxygen yeah. for yourself. Yeah. And they teach that in um, scuba diving too. You breathe if someone the safety training is someone's out of oxygen, you take a deep breath first before you give give that out. Yeah. And I guess that kind of goes back to something we were speaking about almost at the start, but about boundary setting is such mm -hmm. a huge part, I guess, in, in managing stress. And especially if you're mm -hmm. a people pleaser in a work environment, you know, if you're mm -hmm. responding to a line manager or, or, you know, a boss, like that can be a really tricky mm -hmm. balance to get. So, mm -hmm. you know, what uh, mechanism does boundaries play in, in managing stress, would you say? You know, if it's some, someone, I kind of had a question whenever you had asked that question earlier. Um, it kind of depends on the situation, but like if for someone who's commission-based or answers the phone on the weekends, you know, give some boundaries like, hey, I answer the calls from this time to this time. Or if it's a supervisor that's highly demanding, you know, my work-life balance is very important to me. And although I need although it's important that we're successful in this job, career, whatever, um, filling, filling me up or taking the time with my family or whatever, taking the time to do blank and allows me to be able to have more energy to perform great for you. So I appreciate if you respect the boundaries after this time, I, I won't be able to answer the phone. Or if you just say, I don't answer the phone, my phone's on silent, I'll answer the phone at this time. Because what I found when I wasn't giving good boundaries, I'm like, I've gone above and beyond for these people and they're getting mad because I couldn't answer the phone right away. And what I was doing is I would answer, I would call them back as soon as possible. And then people would get mad at me if I was like in a meet, in a work meeting for six hours and I couldn't call them back immediately. And it's like, hey, I'm in a training. <laughs> I always call you back. And like, it's just, you know, hey, I, being vocal and communicating and giving those, this is what, this is the line I'm cross, and I'm not crossing that line. And then if someone crosses that, say, hey, you know, 
I understand that you have XYZ situation going on and I'm happy to assist you, but I didn't. But in the future, going forward, we're, I'm not crossing XYZ boundary. Because mm. I think even even if it's a manager, like you can still set the tone in how you want the mm-hmm. relationship to be and how you want that communication to be because any form of relationship is always a two-way street, isn't it? So Absolutely. You know, and, you, and if you let them, you know, call you whenever and, and be at their back and call, they're going to come to expect that. And so when you don't working do on that, your days yeah. off. Yeah. And, you know, especially I don't know if other millennials can relate to this, but in my 20s that if you work really hard and you work the extra time, then you'll get promoted. And I did get promoted, but I was also not treated well when I was a manager. And, you know, I was doing work. Like the final store I worked at, I worked at an office supply store. The final store I worked at, the general manager wouldn't do his job. And me and the other assistant was doing his job. And then the previous store, uh, my colleague who was equal to me, who made more money than me, wouldn't do his job. So then I was doing, because the section of work he wouldn't do was my department. So I was required to do it. And then that general manager set his boundaries like, hey, my kids come first, I'm coming in late. Whereas, you know, me, if I needed to take time off because I'm sick, it was a big, huge ordeal. And I didn't set the tone to say, hey, I have sick days for a reason. And I need you to respect my time off. I know I'm salaried, but I can't work being sick. Mm. So and, you know, as in the I ended up quitting and I should have I tried talking to him, but he just didn't respect me. And so I was just like the the guy that I, my last uh, supervisor, I was just like, okay. And I just, that's how you're going to treat me. I'm out. But I could have had a conversation with him and said, you know, I I respect you and I deserve the same respect. Mm, Yeah. And I think a lot of that also comes from respecting yourself as well. Like you have to have the certain and I think it's difficult for people who are just sort of my generation who are just entering the workplace because Mm -hmm. at that time you're kind of still a student you're kind of learning how the workplace runs Mm -hmm. to actually step in and go no actually I know my worth I know my value Mm -hmm. yes there are times because I, I think also you know sometimes work is demanding and does need you to to uh give a little bit more but there's that mm-hmm. balance of, of understanding, no, I respect yeah. myself and what I what I want from this and not just uh, sort of succumbing to the to the norm of what or what is you think is expected of you. That's really Yeah, because yeah, like in every except for yeah, in every position, you know, you you get that pressure that, you know, we can't survive if you don't come in because someone called in. Well, why aren't you calling the other people? Because you're the person that's doing it. <laughs> and and then you feel like you feel obligated to take care of it because no one else will. And ultimately, like you're still going to get promoted if you're doing a good job and doing the best you can during the time. But you also need to give good energy boundaries like, hey, I'm not coming in because this is my t- this is my time. Mm. And yeah. I don't need to get, I'm no, I'm not obligated to give you an excuse if it's my day off. Yeah. And I always made some excuse if I couldn't come in, but most of the time I would come in. 
Mm. I wonder if you can speak to like the difference between your generation. <laughs> well, kind of. I was going to say um, understanding when it's time to leave somewhere and when you reach that sort of capacity of like no this is time to walk away as opposed to when it's like time to set boundaries and manage your own stress so um what I was taught growing up is you pick a company and you're loyal to that company and they'll take care of you Mm. and that's not the case (laughs) and um so my job in my 20s, I wanted to leave three years prior. I wasn't getting the respect, but I was letting the fear of starting over, the fear of not having a college education do the best for me. But what I didn't realize is like people look at experience as well. So if you're someone who doesn't, so someone in your generation, someone who doesn't, going to college isn't for you, and but you have all you're learning your career, you're learning your career. I say you learn whatever you need to learn and move on. If you you hit that, if you want to stay with that company, stay with that company. Um, unpopular, which I might make some of these older people, these companies mad, is sometimes to get promoted, you have to jump companies to come back or to get the, a better raise. Because you get, because people were even in banking. I loved my job. Right before I went to mortgage, there was a guy who got hired in that was making more than me. And I've been there six years or his salary was. I also got some commission too, but it was like, I had to pull teeth to get an additional raise and it still wasn't where I wanted it to be. So respecting yourself and know your worth, knowing your worth is a big thing. Do it, do everything you can to do a good job, but also respect your boundaries. My advice, if I was to advise my younger self, is lean into the fear of fear of joining another company, lean into that. I wouldn't job hop after just one or two months unless you're being disrespected and they're not respecting your boundaries. But if it's a job you really like, but you want to get promoted, you're not going to get promoted immediately. You've got to get that experiences in. Um, unless you just do an incredible job and it, something falls in your lap. Um, but also take the take the promotions when they come up. You, if you've been there six months a year and something comes up that's on the field that you think that you can do really well in, don't hold yourself back. Apply for it. And if you get told no, someone else got it, don't take it personal. Let it be a learning experience. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think it's all about, isn't it, as well, like having having the faith that what is, you know, what is meant for you can't can't miss you. So I think people yeah. and, and I guess it comes back to the nervous system as well in like the nervous system wants to keep us safe and keep us comfortable in what we know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we feel like the only way to do that is to stay exactly where we are, even if that is actually uncomfortable at that point. Yeah, like, even if it's stressful, um, but it's leaning into the trust that and the faith that what's meant for you can't miss you and there will be new opportunities out there and sometimes you have to get really uncomfortable in order to grow by like you said leaving and in order to get promotion it's etc yeah I saw that at the bank I was at you know someone would leave and be gone for a year or two and then they'd come back and be in a brand new position so sometimes you have to leave to get 
to get the promotion that you want later on or to get promoted with a different company and then you can go back to that company unless but if they don't hire you because you left just like make sure you give your two weeks like that's just a respect thing <laughs> like yeah but if you're being there if you're they're being triggered by you leaving and being disrespectful because i have heard some people having stories then they're not the company for you anyways yeah yeah that's a very good point very good point so do you have any sort of closing thoughts on sort of how if someone's listening to this and they currently do just feel really stressed maybe it's not even about work necessarily but something in their life that is making them have that constricted chest you know really feeling tight and and anxious and held what sort of advice what closing thoughts would you kind of say to them feel within your heart close your eyes connect to it and just breathe i can't control you can't control the world around you, but you can control how you perceive it and, and how you react to it. So taking that breath, I can't, I can't control what's going on in your life. You can't control to a degree. You can control how you react, but you know, if you have high stress going on trauma going on in your life, you can re either remove yourself or you can take a step back and breathe in and refocus and for your next steps to move forward. Mm, yeah, taking that sacred pause. And I think people think that it's not worth it or that it won't actually help, but it's, it's only when you allow yourself to slow down that you actually get in tune. You cannot get in mm -hmm. tune with yourself if you're go, go, go. And that's where you find a lot of the answers. They're, they're within mm -hmm. you you just have to get quiet enough to start listening and to hear yeah. it really yeah and like you know your age group like they're trying to figure stuff out so that could be stressful um someone could be having a death in the family and that's something like grief is hard mm -hmm. i know <laughs> like it, it really is and there's all sorts of emotions and so if it's situations like you don't know what to do with your life. No one knows what they want to do with their life. Just enjoy it and, and try to find and, and try not to freak out like that. That would be my advice as my 23 self. Like mm. I was constantly worried about that. Um, if you're someone going through grief, grief is going to always be there. You just, it does get better with time. And I know people don't agree to that. Some people don't agree with that. And I used to really get triggered by that. Like you're in those emotions. You last thing you want to hear is, Oh, it'll be better with time, but making sure, even if you don't want to, to breathe. And so just help and be grateful. Like practicing gratitude's a really good thing. When you're going through stress, you could have the worst of the worst happening thing, but I promise you can pick one thing to be grateful for. Mm. Whether yeah. it's the clothes on your back. Yeah. If you have the means to listen to this podcast, I guarantee there is so much, so much to be grateful for in your life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That frequency is so powerful, isn't it? Oh. Um, so I'd love to ask you as one of my closing questions, what makes you feel zen in your life? Going and watching the sunset, obviously, my favorite place is on the beach, but I don't live near the beach, but just watching the sunset, the sunrise, um, and just, and just did, sitting there in stillness 
and just seeing how how the sun kisses the sky goodnight and creates art is just like my favorite thing and just and just finding joy in that and peace i love that yeah getting out in nature nature makes me feel so Mm -hmm. zen and it seems that is the same for all of us it's a it's a collective thing that we all feel zen in nature so I love that and then my last question is what are some ways that people can work with you if people are intrigued uh what do you what do you help guide people through and how can people connect with you Oh, uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn. I haven't posted much on LinkedIn. Um, and um, TikTok, I just joined TikTok. So right now I've been sharing my reels from Instagram, but I'll be on there soon. Um, and the handle is Brighter Days with Robin. Amazing. And then my website is the same, brighterdayswithrobin.com. And that's where you can go and book. Um, I have one-on-one coaching. I have breath work, um, one hour sessions, and then you can book, um, four one hour sessions. And then I add a free coaching in that. Um, and then in my coaching, which is not on the list, I'm adding Reiki for, for my coaching clients. Um, a session for that. Um, I am a Reiki master. I just hadn't, um, added it into my programs till just recently. Um, and see, and then I do offer wellness workshops. So if someone comes across that that's with companies, I do offer a slew of options for wellness workshops. Um, so yeah. Amazing. Oh, well, thank you so much for all your wisdom and all your sharing. It has been so insightful and so wonderful to hear you speak about your personal journey and everything you've gone through and how it's, you've kind of alchemized it into now helping others to do the same and manage their anxiety and their stress better. So thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. If this episode left you feeling more zen, it would mean the absolute world to me if you went and gave it a review. It's the best way to get new people into the Gen Zen community and get even more amazing guests onto the show so we can have more juicy and expansive conversations. Thank you so much in advance and until next time, stay zen.